All righty. Good morning. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that, uh, Father, you have good things for us and promises and uh, you give us victory. And so I thank you, Father, as we teach the word this morning, that we can uh, just let the Holy Spirit speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Awesome. So this morning, we're going to be talking about, uh, let's see here. Walking in righteousness. Uh, so, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things here. This is this is probably going to be a series. And the first place we're going to go is Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so... Another, another translation says, it says, uh, the righteous shall walk by faith. So we have lived by faith, and we have walked by faith. And it says the righteous. Now this, this verse is so, like, full of life. It's so full of life. There's so many, like, I can't ever, I don't, it's such a simple verse, but it has so much truth in it. Like, it says that the righteous shall live by faith. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in the church, we talk about how we're saved by grace through faith. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It says, By grace you've been saved. Uh, it says, By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. And kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And verse 8 says, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, a lot of times when we talk about righteousness, people really consider righteousness like your deeds, you know? It talks about the deeds of the righteous. And, and so a lot of times when we look at righteousness, we think, well, um, if I'm doing good, if I'm doing good, then I will be righteous. And in Isaiah, I don't remember the reference. I wish I had it now. In Isaiah, it says, for our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Um, and the filthy rags it's talking about is actually like menstrual cycle rags. You know, like... In modern day terms, it's our righteous acts are like tampons. Mm. You know? <laughs> it's pretty nasty. You know? And the the point is, dude, our acts, according to scripture, you know, our acts are not enough, you know, to make us righteous. And that's why in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, it says, for the righteous shall live by faith. You know, it talks about Abraham, it says that his righteousness, his faith was considered righteousness. It's because he believed the promise of God. So, it's not so much about your deeds, we're noticing here, okay? 
It's not a not your deeds do not make you righteous. Uh, it's only only the one deed of Jesus Christ that makes you righteous. It's Jesus's deed. It's his one act of dying for you. See, here's the problem. You could you could be a millionaire and give all your money to the poor, but you kill somebody and now you're a murderer. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter how many acts you do. It doesn't matter how much you do for God. It doesn't change the fact that you're a murderer. See what I'm saying? Because once you're once you break the law, once you break the law one time, that's it. It's over. You are now a trespasser. And it doesn't matter how many good deeds you do after that, you still have to pay for the one deed you did. See what I'm saying? The scripture says in James that if you break in one law, you've broke them all. Okay? If you break one commandment, you've, break, you've broken them all. So, there's not an, an, any amount of good deeds that you could possibly do that will make you righteous. Make sense? Um, you're, that's why the scripture says the righteous shall live by faith. So, your righteousness doesn't come from your deeds. Your righteousness comes from faith in the one deed that Jesus did. Okay? It's the one act that Jesus did that took away all your sin when he died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, basically he paid the price for you. He paid the price for your for your sin. That's why it says in Ephesians, it says that um, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved through faith. And so <clears throat> salvation comes through grace. It's not coming through your deeds. Um, we're never going to be saved. This is kind of basic, but it's very pivotal for everything we're going to be building upon. You know, your righteousness does not come from your deeds. It's not possible. You can't do enough. You can't quit enough. You know? And that's what people beat themselves up all the time. Well, I must not be a child of God because I can't keep on doing the right things. You know? And and then all of a sudden, too, they think that if they keep on... Like, let's say now you are saved. Now you are saved. Let's say you, you've been saved by grace, right? According to Ephesians. And so people say, well, now I've messed up. You know, I must have lost my salvation or you know well if if the moment the moment you start to um depend on again your deeds scripture says in galatians that you've fallen from grace and people think that that means you lose your salvation it doesn't mean you lose your salvation it means you've fallen from grace grace is what saves you right you're saved by grace but there's actually three levels of salvation check this out you have your body, you have your soul, and you have your spirit, okay? There's three levels of kingdom living. <laughs> One day you'll go to the kingdom of heaven. This is eternity. When you die and you, and you, you go into the sweet by and by, as they say, then you're, this is where your spirit will go, into heaven, right? We talk about this. And then also you have your, your soul, uh, which is your mind, okay? Um, there's, and then you have your body. Uh, it can be saved now. So th there's different there's different um, ways of putting this. When you when you talk to different denominations, they'll tell you different things. But like I grew up Baptist, and the Baptists will say you were saved, you're being saved, and you yeah, and you will be saved. Okay, and it has to do with these this three part being that you are, body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit man is saved, born again. Jesus says that in John chapter three that if we receive Him. That we become born again. It's done deal. You know, you're saved. You're the righteous, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at this point, <coughs> you are saved. You are the righteousness of God. It's not 514. It's just 5. It's in there after 14. 
You are the righteousness of God. According to this right here, the spirit man. Your spirit man is born again. It's 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 wall to wall Holy Spirit at this point, right? On the inside of you. There's three parts of you. One part of you is wall to wall Holy Spirit, completely led by God. You know? Well, then you have your soul. And Romans says, we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And if you study the Greek word for soul, it's the same word for psyche. Okay? Spirit is nevma. So you actually have two different words, and a lot of people think they're the same, but in the book of Hebrews, I believe Hebrews chapter 4, it says that, that the heart is your inner being, inner being, and it says that the Word of God is able to divide the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It says it's able to divide the soul from the spirit, the joints from the marrow. And so you can see um, that... Um, let's go to there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. And a lot of times, this is where it settles the debate. A lot of people think that these two are the same thing, but they're not. Right here, it's very, very clear. It makes a distinction that there is soul and spirit. Watch this. Joints and marrow discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, this right here makes up your heart, your soul and your spirit. And it describes it like this, the joints and the marrow, the thoughts and intentions, okay? So, and it pretty much, it's, it, it splits it up here. You can see very clearly that the heart is your inner being, okay? It, this, this is why it gets confusing because people say, you know, the heart... In Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. You can trust it, right? And then Ezekiel says, we'll give you a new heart, right? So some people think, well, you can be healed. And then so in Isaiah, people, um, I don't agree with this teaching very well, but in Isaiah, it says, talks about being healed. And a lot of people say, you can heal your heart. And so I've heard people say, well, if Isaiah is talking about healing your heart, that doesn't, they'll say, well, that doesn't make sense because Ezekiel says you get a new heart. So there's no such thing as healing a heart. You get a brand new heart. The old heart's thrown away and the new heart's given, right? So that's what they'll say. But then, the, then uh, according to Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful. Okay, so you see, like, if you're Holy Spirit, how can the Spirit of God be deceitful, right? So this is where it gets confusing. I'm, so I'm going to clear it up a little bit. Um, Isaiah is not talking about just healing your heart because in Matthew chapter 8 actually talks about how they went about healing people. Um, Jesus went about healing people, and this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said, he'll carry our infirmities and our sicknesses away. So we know for a fact that Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, it's actually talking about physical healing, not just heart healing. But my point is this. Um, there is there's this teaching that they, they think that the heart is just one or the other, and it's not. It's two things. That's why, that's why, well, the heart just means the center of your being, the center of you. So you have an outer being and an inner being. Well, your inner being is also made up of two parts, your soul and your spirit. Does that make sense? And so the scripture says that the word of God is able to divide the two. It's able to separate the two, the soul from the spirit, the joints from the marrow. It's okay, so you can see the joints, that's like your bones, you know what I mean? It's, it's what connects your bones together. It's kind of weird, which is actually what your soul does. So your soul connects your body 
to your spirit. Your, your, your soul is a joint between your body and your spirit. It's what connects the two, just like your joints connect bone to bone, right? And then the marrow is the inside of the bone, okay? So you can see the spirit man is even deeper than the soul. You see what I'm saying? Well, then there's also the thoughts and then intentions. Well, the intentions are the thoughts of the thoughts. See what I'm saying? And so this part right here, this part right here is the part that can be sick, or I should say dead. Okay? Well, if this is dead, then so is this. And then so is this. But if this is made alive, then this has to change. And if this changes, then it can affect this. You see what I'm saying? All right, so that's like a, you know, heart... You know, body, soul, and spirit, you know, crash course of what's going on. And I don't know how much we'll keep on teaching on this, but but this is very important. Uh, because, see, we talk about falling. Uh, the reason why I got to this was because we are talking about falling from grace, according to Galatians. It says, you've fallen from grace. Well, a lot of people think that that means you lose your salvation, like you lose your eternal salvation. But you're, you're talking about something here, your body, your soul, and your spirit. Okay, we talked about how Romans talks about how you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so watch this. Your spirit man is born again. It's born. Your soul is renewed and your body is resurrected. Okay, does that make sense? There's this or healed. Okay, so these are the types of salvation. When I talk about sozo, or so I think it's maybe soterio. I might have the word wrong. <clears throat> it's the Greek word for salvation. And I can't remember the word, okay? But the Greek word for salvation actually means complete wholeness. Not just spiritual. Not just soul. Not just body. It's entire wholeness. Wholeness of spirit. Wholeness of mind. And wholeness of body. That's why we believe in healing. That's why we believe healing is part of the gospel. Because healing is... Um, it's the manifestation in the body of, what's been, of what God has already given us in the spirit and what God has given us in our mind. See what I'm saying? All right, so uh, so we're talking about grace, right? And we're talking about how th this is important. The reason why I went over this was because this is important for understanding uh, how you can fall from grace. Because, see, if uh, let's just go ahead and go to Galatians. This is not where I wanted to go yet, but we'll go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Um, nope, that's not where I want to go. There's another Galatians. Galatians 5, uh, verse 1 through 9. Uh, and then 13, let's see, I'll just find the one scripture here. And we're probably going to talk about this again here in a minute. It says in verse 4, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 4, You are severed from Christ, you would, who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Okay, so when we start to rest in our deeds, when we start resting in our deeds, we fall from grace, okay? It's not saying when you sin, you fall from grace. It's saying when you rest in your deeds. So there's two ways of doing that. You can, you can say, well, um, uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, like a, I'm a religious guy. I, I read my Bible. I go to church. So I'm, I'm a good man, right? Well, when we do that, you fall from grace, okay? And you'll actually find out real quick that your soul, like the people who, who say this, I'm good, if you say, I'm good, okay, you have a heart issue, which is this part right here, right? Soul and spirit. You may be born again, but your soul, which is part of your heart also, okay, this is pretty cool, watch this. 
So if you say, I'm good, then you're like a Pharisee. Watch this. In the soul, you say, you're probably having thoughts. See, Jesus always said that. He said, man, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, then you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what he was referring to is Matthew chapter 5, okay, I believe. Matthew chapter 5, and it goes on to say, if you even look with a woman with lust, you commit adultery, okay? All right, so he says, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. So, so what he does is he says, I tell you truly, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So he starts, he starts talking about the heart issues. He actually takes the law, not just from a physical deeds. He's talking about what's happening in your soul. He says, you're whitewashed tombs. He says, look at your, your cup. On the outside, you look clean, but on the inside, you're dirty. And so he's talking about their heart. And he raises the, the standard up from just being a physical action to an actual what are you thinking in your heart. Because if you look at a man and you, and you have, and you call him a fool, the Bible says that you commit murder in your heart. So if you've ever called anyone an idiot, congratulations, you're now a murderer, right? So this is what, this is what Jesus is saying. So when people say, I'm good, well, they're having, they're, they have heart issues. They, they think that they're doing good here because religiously they may be doing all, they're checking all the boxes, but in their soul, God knows the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. He knows what's going on. And so this is why it says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. Okay, because right here in the soul part of your heart, this is where your this sin begins. Okay, all right. So this is why it's important to have renewing of the mind. Okay, well then people who say, um, so people who let's say that it say I'm I'm not doing good. Okay, they say I'm not doing good, man. I'm just I keep messing up, and they start beating themselves up. Okay, this is called condemnation. Well, when you have condemnation, it's very hard to overcome your sin. Because you're already beat down, man. I already messed up, man. I can't help myself. And now you're just beating yourself up. Well, at this point now, you're believing a lie. Because, see, your, your righteousness was never dependent on your deeds. Your righteousness was dependent on Jesus' one deed. So when we keep beating ourselves up, then we start walking in unbelief, which is the only way you can get grace. For By grace, you've been saved through faith, right? So if I'm in condemnation, I'm actually in unbelief, which means grace is removed. That doesn't mean grace is removed here. It means grace is removed here. And it means that grace is removed here. You see what I'm saying? Because grace applies to three different areas. You might not lose this salvation, but you can start losing this salvation. Does that make sense? It's kind of right. It's kind of crazy. See, what grace is, check this out. <coughs> grace is what God did. Okay? Faith is what you do. Okay? Faith is what you do. Grace is what God did. So, if we remove our faith, we can't get grace. This is very important. And James says, it says, um, but faith without works is dead. It's, what faith really is, it's humility with submission. Okay? Now, the Bible says right here in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your works, right? So that no one can boast. You're, what made you, what gave you access into the kingdom, you don't have... You have no say-so. And like, it's not your deed. It's his one deed. That's the grace of God. This is what he did for you to make you in right standing with God. Okay, so let me, let me show you this. This is powerful. All right, so in the Old Testament, okay, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, check this out. You have, <coughs> you have the sacrifice, okay? That sacrifice is not what you did. Okay, your deeds weren't good enough. So the sacrifice atoned for your sin, Okay. Some, this innocent animal had to die for you. Does that make sense? So this is grace. 
All right? But faith doesn't stop at the sacrifice. Faith goes into the temple or the tabernacle. Okay? Here's what, here's what faith does. The grace of God gives you access that you didn't pay for. Okay? But once you have access, now you have to do something. Okay? That doing something is not your righteousness. That was your righteousness. But this gives you victory in your life. Okay? So, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird because a lot of people think, well, it's not your works. You, don't, you can't do any works. You know, your works doesn't... You're right. Your works don't save you. But James says that faith without works is dead. And how can such faith save you? Go to James. Go to James. Hebrews James. <clears throat> Let's see here. Yeah. It says, uh, James chapter 2, verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So James is actually saying that there's a, a faith that can't save you. So believing alone but not following through isn't enough. It's kind of weird. Make sense? See, what you don't realize is the blood of Jesus, I hope this makes sense. There's a mystery here, okay? There's a mystery here. And when we, when we say, well, uh, I don't have to do anything, then, then we miss the gospel. We miss the gospel, okay? What it is, is it's like this. The best way I can describe it is grace is your inheritance. You don't earn an inheritance, okay? You can't earn an inheritance. Inheritance is your birthright, okay? So when you get born again in the spirit, you have a birthright. Does this make sense? Birthright. It belongs to you. It's yours. It belongs to you. You inherit it. But if you don't do something with your inheritance, you can lose it to a degree. Does that make sense? It, 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 does that make sense? It's kind of weird. Okay, check this out. Check this out. If you, if your dad, if your dad owns a business and you get older, okay, you did nothing for it. Just because you're his son, he's going to give it to you, right? So this business is given to you. So let's just say it's a construction business, right? So this construction business, he already has employees. He already has a trailer. He already has tools. See what I'm saying? Everything's set up for you, all right? All that is required for you to actually take part in this business is to receive it, okay? Right? You did nothing to earn it. Does that make sense? You did nothing to earn that. But once you get it, now you have to do something with it, okay? And then if you look at an obstacle and you're like, well, um, <coughs> check this out. If you look at an obstacle and you're like, hmm, there's this remodel I got to do, man. And you're like, I can't do it. Well, then you've fallen from grace. You see what I'm saying? You've forgotten your inheritance. You forget your inheritance when you say, oh, I can't do that. You forgot what you have. You have all these tools that were just given to you. See what I'm saying? And so we have to realize that whenever we, um, when we start operating in grace, grace gives us something that we didn't earn, but at the same time, now that we have it, we have to do something with it. Does that make sense? And so that's what Ephesians says. If you go to Ephesians chapter um, 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, okay? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, even though that passage talks about how by grace you've been saved through faith is not your own, it says, but you were created for good works. So grace is not your ticket to heaven. Grace is not your ticket to heaven. Grace is your, your power to overcome in eternity and now. Okay? So we can easily abuse grace. So what people don't get, they don't understand that they're getting when they accept grace is they are accepting a victorious life. That makes sense? It's not about 
just get into heaven when you die. Like, if that was the case, then we would drop dead right then and go to heaven. But no, he has a destiny for you right now to overcome this world, to, to take the kingdom of God and advance it. Make sense? <clears throat> Grace is what empowers you to live a righteous life. And faith in the cross of Jesus and his finished work is our access point. Okay? The death is what made you justified. So check this out. So now we're going to talk about how this works. So here, here's what grace is. There's, there's, two, there's two parts of this. Okay? The righteous shall walk by faith. So it says the death of Jesus. So we have the death of Jesus. So how does this work? The death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Oftentimes we only talk about the death. We never talk about the resurrection. The death is where you get mercy from God. But the resurrection is where you get grace from God. Okay? This was grace in itself. Okay? This was grace in itself. However, this gives you grace. Alright? You have de the death of Jesus. Okay? Gives you mercy. Alright? So, when we humble ourselves, this is cool, we enter into his death. When we humble ourselves, we enter into his death and we receive the mercy of God. Okay? <clears throat> and then faith is when you have humbled yourself and you believe that God will exalt you. Faith brings exaltation. God exalts those who humble themselves. So I humble, and that's why it says in Philippians, I believe in Philippians, let's go to Philippians real quick. I have it marked up, so. Philippians chapter 2, verse, uh, let's see here, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though, <coughs> who though he was in the form of God, <coughs> did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in him in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Then verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, you can see here that, let's see here, verse 5 through 11. It talks about Jesus humbling himself. And then it says that God exalted him, you know. All right, so this right here, dude, death is what, the death of Jesus, check this out. The death of Jesus is what saves you from God and his wrath. The death of Jesus is what saved you from God and the wrath, his wrath. He was going to punish you, you know? This, that's what the death of Jesus does. But the resurrection is different. Go to, go to 1 John, I believe it's 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> yeah, let's go over to 1 John. Either way, what it says is it says, I write these things to you so you want not sin. And then he says, but Jesus, this is what Jesus came for, to, de to destroy the works of the devil. Right? Well, a lot of times people think that's just, uh, they, a lot of people say, well, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Right? Okay. It's actually talking about sin in there. More than it's talking about sickness. Where I believe it is talking about sickness too. You know, and how God comes in and to destroy the works of the devil and how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? We know that that's what the thief does. So, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but what caused that was sin. We have a victorious life. This is the thing about this is the thing about walking in righteousness. Like we can actually walk in a righteous lifestyle, but it takes faith first. We have to believe that we really are the righteousness of God. When we believe what Jesus Jesus it says he came to destroy the works of the devil. The resurrection did the death of God destroyed the power of sin in your life. But the resurrection actually made you overcome sin in your life. Okay? And also, it makes you overcome uh, 
uh, Satan. And the best way I can describe it, just to summarize it real quick, is in Exodus chapter 14, it talks about the Red Sea. And I believe the Red Sea is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. When the, when, whenever uh, there's a place called Pi-ha-heroth, it means enclosed place. They're trapped. All right, check this out. So this is all in Exodus chapter 14. It says that, that Pharaoh said, hey, let's go after them. They're hemmed in by the desert. They're trapped. This place called Pi-ha-heroth. Well, what's so cool about this is that they're about to receive the law. Okay? All right? And... I believe that Pihaharoth, which is the enclosed, trapped-in place, is actually type and shadow of the law. See, God, it says that God led them. They were going around the sea. And it says that he made them turn back and go back to this place called Pihaharoth. And the reason why is he didn't want them to meet their enemies and fight them, because they didn't want them to go to war yet. Pihaharoth, all right? So they went to this place. It's called the hemmed-in place, the trapped place. It's a type and shadow of the law, because see, what happens is, when you get into the law, you get trapped. When you have the law in your life, there's no way out. There's no escape. Okay? And so you see that there was, when they were on this little place here, in this trapped place, there was the sea and there was the mountains. Okay? And they're right here. And Egypt is coming up over, here, over the mountain, and then they have this sea right here that they can't cross. So they're trapped in. Alright? So what happens is... They say, hey, let's go in. They're trapped in. So they come in, right? And then God says, fear not. He says, for the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see today. They never ever see again. And so then he parts the sea, right? Parts the sea. They walk through. All right? So this right here is abolished. This, it doesn't even mean that anymore. It, it actually doesn't make sense anymore. It's not hemmed in. They're not closed. They're not trapped. There's a way out. And the way out was through the broken sea. So... What was so cool about this <clears throat> is that Pihaharoth represents the law. Okay, they were they were trapped by the law. The Red Sea parted. Now, what's so cool is that this Red Sea was actually like a, a to them it was like a it was the end of the road. Let's put it that way, right? It was a a dead end. Sometimes, man, we get to the point where like I'm in a dead end. There's no way out. So the Red Sea actually symbolized to them a dead end. Well, Jesus is the same way to a lot of people, man. They're like Jesus, man, and they don't like Jesus. To them, Jesus is a dead end. But the Red Sea is parted. It's split in two. It's broken. The Bible says that Jesus was broken. He was broken for our iniquities. He was crushed, right? Jesus was broken. It was through the brokenness of the sea that they actually had a way out. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. They had a way out of this trapped place. This, the law which trapped them, this place, this Pihiroth, through the sea being broken. What they thought was their dead end, what they thought was their judgment. See, Jesus it says in the scripture that Jesus will judge the world. And that nobody likes the light. See, this is crazy. Watch this. When people come to the light and they're in the darkness, they don't like it. Until they humble themselves. Then it becomes life to them. Okay? So they had to humble themselves. They went in. What's so cool? The, the sea gets parted and they enter into this partedness. They enter into the broken sea. They enter into this thing that was broken. You know what I mean? It's so cool. We enter into the death of Jesus. When we humble ourselves and receive him, we enter into his death. And it says they walked on dry ground. That dryness right there, that's another symbol of death. 
When anything's dry, it's dead. So he's walking through this dead sea, through this red sea on dry ground. All right, check this out. So what if, what if the sea had never come back together again? Yeah, they got saved from Pi-Hadaroth, from the trapped place. But what about the enemy? See, this saves you from God. This saves you from the devil. See, the enemy was coming. And when they started going through the death, through the, through the broken sea, the enemy also went after them, through the sea. And when the sea came back together again, this resurrection destroyed the enemy. So the resurrection of Jesus is perfectly, perfectly pictured in the, in, in, in the restoration of the sea. When the sea came back together again, it destroyed the enemy in their life. And they no longer had their slavery in the past. You see what I'm saying? So the death of Jesus does not save you from sin. It saves you from God. You see what I'm saying? The resurrection saves you from the devil and sin and all that. I mean, both of them save you from all of it. But you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> you get mercy and you get grace. That's pretty cool. And so um, that's the best way to describe it, man. There's, there's two parts of this, man. So... Our righteousness, you know, Jesus in his death made us righteous, but in his resurrection, he gives us the ability to walk out righteousness. So, I'm going to go ahead and probably close right there because I've, I've got so much more to share, and I think that's a good closing spot. And so, um, anyway, so what we need to do, this is, this is just the foundation. This is a good intro for this whole series that we're going to do on righteousness. Um, but, dude, it's awesome. There's, there, and, and we're going to get into more of it. There's so much more. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Father, that your word sets us free. We thank you, Father, that your word um, gives us victory in this life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.